There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher, and we've got an awesome show for you coming up. This week, Centauri and I were joined by Ian McLeod. Ian is an expat living in South Korea, teaching English and doing personal training. We had a great conversation that went from the steps to take if you are interested in living in a different country to the differences between life in Seoul and the United States. Find out more info on Ian by checking out his Instagram, which is listed in the show notes. If you'd like to learn more about the steps that it takes to becoming an expat, reach out to us via the link also listed in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Remember to tell a friend. And that's enough about that. Let's go. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me as always is Centauri Miner. Good day, sir. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action today is Ian McLeod. Welcome. Hi, guys. Nice to have you. Centauri, do you know what the difference between an expat and an immigrant immigrant is? <laughs> and it's not like a trick question. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, <laughs> an expat is an American living overseas, and an immigrant is someone from another country in the United States. Okay. Well, sure. I, I don't think that's accurate necessarily, that's but probably not accurate. They are they are really not. really really similar terms. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that necessarily, but uh, expat versus immigrant. Um, not, not particularly. I mean, I guess I don't really think about it too much. I suppose most uh, uh, Westerners that live in, particularly in Asian countries that I've met, you know, they all consider themselves expats. They don't really consider themselves as immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose like in America, there's kind of like a negative connotation towards the word immigrant. Mm-hmm. Yep. So expat just sounds better mm-hmm. for the most part. Definitely agree that there's a, a negative, more of a negative connotation to the term immigrant than there is expat. So is there a definitive answer? No, not necessarily. <laughs> oh, so what's the, okay, fair enough. <laughs> you're, you're asking what the point of my question <laughs> Yeah, what was the point no, of that question? It's not necessarily one, it's just... We have an expat on the show with us today, so I was like, Fair enough. <laughs> what makes an expat different than an immigrant? Um, so, ex obviously means out of, and patria uh, means native country in Latin, so expat, that's the oh, wow. et- etymology of that term. Um, and the best I could tell just from a little bit of research was that uh, your, your, your work, and your professionalism is probably what connotes uh, an expat versus immigrant somebody that moves to a different country leaves their home country moves to a different one in search of work so folks that are coming from syria they're not coming here to work they're trying to leave a a really terrible place and they're coming here immigrating to the united states hopefully and then we'll find work so well i suppose that's true too but i think a lot of the expats don't see it as like a permanent Mm. i was gonna ask if it's a permanent right i think that might be a big difference like how people perceive the two was the expats they all think oh at some point i'm going back home or i'm going back to my you know original residence or whatever that might be but um i think even for me too you know i've been there for in south korea for nine years and i always think you know eventually i'm going to come back but i don't know it just doesn't happen Mm -hmm. so on the road to becoming an expat why did you 
coming out of the you know, United States university system, what made you want to live in Korea? So, like, initially, um, coming from DePaul University, you know, a lot of um, the people at that school are from the Midwest, and um, a lot of them particularly go to Chicago to get a job. And so that's what I did. I went to Chicago, got a job in sales, worked there for about six, eight months, and realized I really hated the company. It was uh, quite just a bad culture of uh, just churning out, like, sales reps. So it was either go back to school and get my master's degree, or... Uh, do something similar that they do in uh, in Europe is take a kind of like an off year. Um, they'll you know go work in an either in their country or they'll go to another country and work for a year or they'll travel for a year or you know do something for a year that's not directly related to their career path. Um, so I thought that would be a really cool uh, thing to experience, and I particularly chose South Korea because I'm half Korean and um, it had been 16 years since I had. Uh, gone back to Korea. So partially like experience living in another country, uh, visit family, um, travel was a big one. You know, I had spent so much of my life traveling that uh, it was, I always find it hard to just stay in one place, mm -hmm. which is, it always confuses me how people like spend their, literally their entire life in one place. How does that feel, Centauri? I moved away from Phoenix for like four years. But I, I, I can understand how you would find folks that, you know, are, are constantly looking for another place or another experience to have. So I, I can hear that. Yeah, it certainly makes sense. What is your um, status in South Korea? Are you a, are you a visa? Are you a yeah, so uh, Korea doesn't uh, particularly, ex uh, they don't recognize dual citizenship unless it's like a very uh, special circumstance. So everybody just has a visa, um, mm. and there's different kinds of working visas. Um, there's most of the foreigners that live there uh, have some either what they call as an E2 or an E1 visa. And those are both like teaching English visas. Uh, E1 is specifically for uh, professors that work at universities, and then E2 is for anybody that works at like a private institute or uh, at a primary school. Uh, they would get an E2. So then you just as as long as you have like a new contract, you just get it renewed. Um, every year or every for me every two years and that's fairly easy uh it used to be when i first started it was super easy and then um koreans get very protective of their country so when there's like one incident of like a westerner that does something bad so let's say there was a couple incidences where um you know a canadian or an american or wherever they abuse a kid Oh, wow. Right? So then, as soon as like something like that happens, now, um, you know, instead of just applying for a job to go, and you just have to basically show that you graduated from a uh, university and from a Western country, now you have to, like, provide a FBI background check. Like, literally, if you have anything on your record, you're automatically disqualified. You have to, um, you have to get medical testing done because they don't want to, like, import wow. people with HIV or AIDS. That's a big one. Uh, so those are probably the two biggest, um, like barriers for some people. And they are they are still quite quite racist. They don't particularly like to hire black people. They want like the um, it's just the thing there. Like they don't like white people. Uh, probably the best would be to you know be a, a white female, for sure. Wow. Because 
you know, they think about like the, the teaching style is supposed to be like uh, the idea of like immersion, right? Like you were getting taught by a native, that's all you're speaking in the classroom. And so they want to make sure that uh, particularly they like the American accent as opposed to like an Australian accent. Uh, they particularly like white people. And uh, I don't know, it's, they, I don't know if they necessarily see it as uh, being like racist as opposed to they just, they're sometimes like, they're just like legitimately like, they just don't know. Like they're just, uh, yeah, it's really weird, you know. Do you see a lot of, um, do you see a lot of minor, American minorities in Korea? Sure, there's quite, a, I mean, in the entire country, so the country is about 53 million people, about 23 million of that is in Seoul. Wow. The thing about it is there's only about 1.7 million foreigners and over 50% of them are Chinese. There's only really about 700,000 foreigners in all of Korea, like Westerners. And then maybe only half of that in Seoul. So, right, it's so like you could literally, like most Koreans could literally go, you know, 20, 30 years and they would actually have never seen a white person before or seen a black person before. So, like, I, I guess I kind of compared it to, like, let's say, you know, you're walking around Arizona and just out of the blue, you see a, someone that's like purple. You'd be like, holy cow, like, what is that? Like, that, that's, that's how, like, some of them react, right? They're like, they're like, oh, my God, look at that. There's a black guy. Or, wow, her hair, like, she's like, she has blonde hair. I've never seen blonde hair. So, like, a lot of Westerners there, you actually, the first year, you actually experience, like, this um, weird, like, being like a celebrity. Like, oh, people wow. will want to take pictures with you. Like, actually, just recently, I went to the Grand Canyon, and a bunch of Koreans, and they're all in, I could speak a little bit of Korean, so I was speaking to them, and they're like, oh my god, I want to take pictures with you. You're amazing. And it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, what we, it's interesting, yeah. What was your first year of life then? So you go from growing up in the States, um, spending most of your formative years here, and then you're thrusted into another country. I'm sure that first year was just kind of weird. I think, uh, well, because when I was younger, I moved around so much, like almost every three, four years, so I was kind of used to uh you know getting comfortable and um, mm -hmm. typically an uncomfortable situation um but i think for me particularly it was not so bad just because i had some familiarity with uh korean culture but you can definitely if you've yeah if you've never you know had korean food and that's a big part of life if you don't like the food i mean you're in, you're kind of in trouble um, one of my former coworkers, he didn't like the food, so for an entire year, he only ate McDonald's. Oh wow! They made a movie about that, I think. <laughs> yeah. So for him, it was he was miserable because he just couldn't he couldn't eat the food, and I mean that's a big part of. Oh my you God. don't think about it, right? But if you're there and you can't eat, you know, particular things, and you're kind of going to be an unhappy person if that is the case. Right. So what do you do in uh, in South Korea? So. Um, as far as my job? Yes. No, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so my main job is I'm an, uh, I guess, an associate professor at uh, this university. It's called Kyunggi University. Uh, they have uh, a satellite campus in Seoul, and then which where I mostly work at. And then uh, the main campus is in a smaller city called Suwon, which is south of, of Seoul. 
So I've been there for seven years now, uh, nine years total in Seoul. I also do uh, some personal training, whether it be like for body composition or CrossFit or gymnastics. Um, but that's more of a hobby right now. Got it. Did you know you were going to be an English instructor? No way. If you would have told me I was going to teach in general, <laughs> no, I, would, I never would have thought about it. But uh, yeah, now that I've, I've done it, you know, I think there's so much opportunity like in the world for particularly Americans to take advantage of you know, um, you know, I always hear about, uh, you know, the unemployment rate in America and all these people with the bachelor's degree and they can't find jobs. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, there's so many jobs in other countries that you could get and there's so many benefits. Mm -hmm. And even if you did it for just a year, like in Korea, like I tell people, like they will pay for your round trip ticket. They pay for your housing. You earn anywhere between two to, you know, $2,300 a month which doesn't sound like a lot, but if your main expense of housing is paid for, then it is quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And then additionally, you only get taxed at 3% of your income. So because of that as well, your income is way higher. Um, they pay for half your medical. You get a pension, which comes out to about a thousand or two extra pay at the end of your contract. Almost all places will give you an additional one month severance pay. So you can easily save 10 to 15 without even really trying. So, yeah, definitely, like, not just in Korea, but other countries as well. Even if you wanted to go to South America, there's a lot of uh, countries that will hire native speakers to teach for a year. And, uh, like, my degree is in communications and, you know, organizational management. So I'm not an English, you know, instructor by trade. But, um, yeah, you can... You can do it in almost any country. Eastern Europe as well. Um, a lot of opportunities that people just don't really take advantage of. This is, this is People just don't know. You know, that's the big thing. So how did you find out? So for the folks listening who might be interested in finding a gig overseas, how did you find it? Um, I mean, really, like, all you would have to do is, you know, uh, particularly with Google, is just type in ESL and then the country you want to go to. Mm -hmm. And so ESL jobs, Korea, ESL jobs, China, ESL jobs, you know, Ecuador. And uh, usually, you know, the first sites. ESL is English as a second language. Right, 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 right. So uh, in Korea, the way it works is like a lot of people uh, will find like a, um, some kind of agency. And basically all you do is you provide them with all your information. They find you the job. And that's it, really. You know, the only hard part is nowadays you have to get your FBI background check, but that's just more of like it just takes time not really as hard mm -hmm. it's just government works slow so so for your students what is their main goal is are they taking are they learning english just to know it or do they have interest in working for an american company why what's the impetus of them taking an english class in uh in europe in america uh, i think in korea um it's mandatory for a lot of uh, mm -hmm. students you know they use english as um their language to uh, you know, therefore, they're testing to get into university. They have, uh, for our school in particular, they have two semesters mandatory of English. But I mean, it's no different than like in Texas where they require, you know, I think it's a year and a half or just a year of Spanish mm -hmm. to graduate. Um, so it's just a mandatory thing for university. Some have 
you know, real interest in it, but some don't. Um, it's kind of hard when you like it's when it's mandatory and you're forcing students to like learn it. Then it's yeah, there's a lot of students that are not interested. But I mean, what are they going to do? It's they either have to do it or they don't graduate. Mm -hmm. So, what's the reasoning for not being interested? Just other than I don't want to learn a language. They don't feel like, especially if they don't leave the country, they're like, oh, I'm never going to use it. No reason to. Right. Or for my job, I'm not going to use it for my job. Or <clears throat> actually in Korea, like if you were seen as like really good in English and even if you were like a new hire and your English is better than other people's in the office, they will like take their work and like force it on the mm. person that can speak English well. So, but what they consider, like, speaking English well, they have, like, tests. Um, one of them is, like, uh, so there's a test old test where the test is, there's no speaking. It's just reading, writing, um, grammar, and it's all just, you know, circling multiple choice or, for the most part, multiple choice. So, like, I've had students where they get, like, a perfect score on these English tests and then they come to my classroom and for speaking English, and they literally sound like a like a baby talking, like can't even make full complete sentences. So, the testing system is quite skewed. Oh. It's quite odd. Hmm. Interesting. How many universities are in Seoul? If you could oh, guess. Hundreds. The problem with universities in Seoul is a. They like to say like, oh, 75, it's like 75, 80% of all students go to university and get a degree. It's, I mean, but when you set the standards low, yeah, everybody can go to university and graduate. Um, but on a global scale, the universities in Korea don't really match up very well. There's like three main ones that are seen as very good. Okay. Um, but besides that, not really like on a global scale or seen as good. Mm. But I mean, if you're graduating from a Korean university and you stay in Korea, it's no I guess big point in getting like a really, really, really good degree, I suppose. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so what would you say is like the the work culture or work style in Korea and how does it differ from here in the States? See the the big thing about Korea, I don't think a lot of foreigners particularly understand is that like from the end of the Korean War right to let's say up, even up until now or even the end of the Korean War for a span of 50 years like the end of the war they were third war country like they were just horrible like just a real thing of like the worst situation you could possibly be in and it was just that it was so bad but with their their work culture of sacrificing your own well-being for the betterment of the community so whether it be Korea as a whole or your company, um, that mentality helped them in the span of 50 years go from third world country to, you know, top 10 GDP. Um, I mean, no other country in the world has, has improved that much economically hmm. in such a short period of time. The problem is, is that same culture is much harder to change. So that same cultural mentality is there, even though they've already reach this economic level so now you have all these people who go into an office job and they're still sacrificing their own personal well-being for the company 
So they don't normally get like overtime pay. They don't, um, I mean, Korea is one of the most uh, stressed uh, countries in the entire OECD. They have one of the highest suicide rates. Um, definitely one of the unhappiest countries in the OECD. Um, OECD? Uh, I don't it's a good question. <laughs> yeah. I, we'll uh, circle I back should, on should, Yeah, I should know what it stands for, but it's basically like, um, just think of like the most developed countries in the world, and that's basically Got it. like the OECD. Um, but yeah, very high suicide rates. Um, it's quite unfortunate. They don't t- they take a lot of vacation time. Um, yeah, it's super, super stressful in Korea. They have some weird... There's one thing they have there. It's called... Uh, it's called they say in Korean it's called Hue Sik. Um, Hue is like company and chic is like food so it's like the your department goes out for food after work right which sounds like a you know normal thing like i'm sure some a lot of companies have that every once in a while yeah go out on a friday night whatever right but this like is extreme like they will they have a very high um they have a very big drinking culture there they're actually uh, last time i saw they were number one in the world for liquor consumption um, much more than the the Russians or, you know, uh, number one, <laughs> and it's because they have they have uh, this drink called soju, right? Which mm. is like uh, it's just a twelve ounce bottle. You can buy it for a dollar at the convenience store. It's uh, about twenty percent um, alcohol, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they go through like a billion bottles a year or something like that. It's ridiculous. So, but anyways, there's this drinking culture where um, you know you drink with your colleagues but they'll like for even if you don't want to drink that you get like forced to drink because if you don't drink then you're not, not like you get ostracized you're like oh you're not part of our team wow. kind of mentality right so um they'll go out like on a wednesday night drink till 4 a.m and the boss will say all right see you guys at nine and then they'll go to work and the entire office can't do anything they're not productive at all right. but they're <laughs> but they're at the office right they're working and uh so that mixed with like the culture of you can't go home until your boss goes home. Mm. So that's a problem too because I mean, what if your boss is like fifty and hates his wife and doesn't want to go back home, right? He'll be in his office playing video games and people can't leave because he hasn't left yet. Right. So like weird things like that, you know. I'm not saying that's like with every company, but it's mm. quite common. It's fairly common, right? Interesting. So, do people do people form their identities based on their work? If there's a high suicide rate, they're working all the time. Maybe sounds like they're not super happy. No, not happy at all. Yeah. So I think that here in the United States, we're very much individualistic. So everybody wants to do their own thing and express themselves, not necessarily through their work. Certainly right. some people do identify with whatever their profession might be. Um, you know what I'm trying to trying to say? Yeah, I mean, I think Asian culture in general is very about the community. So, like, a lot of um, Asian families, like, they don't even leave their... They don't move out of the house until they get married. Right. Which particularly is kind of a problem now in Korea with the... Uh, they have an aging population and people getting married later and later. So a lot of these families will have like a 30, 35-year-old 
you know, son or daughter living at the house who doesn't particularly want to get married, so they stay at home, right? Mm. Kind of stressful on the parents, yeah. But um, yeah, the idea of like community is is very big there. So I don't the idea of like being individual and individualistic and trying to separate yourself from the the group or from the crowd. I feel like it's definitely um, improving. It's like showing up a lot in the younger generation, but it's still not to the extent of Western culture where that's kind of like the foundation of, you know, students here. I'm not making a value judgment on it. I'm not saying one is better or worse. It just kind of is. So interesting. It's, it's, I I mean, there's definitely benefit to both, you know, because in that community setting, like they are, supportive of each other right and they'll help each other like if i had you know if my like younger brother wanted to start a business you know in that setting they're definitely more likely to support their mm. you know, mm. I don't know their their family members or there's definitely lots of situations where the parents will sacrifice a lot of their energy and time to send their son or daughter to america to study for like a year and they don't want their kids working, so they'll work extra hours to help put them through school, which I don't, I mean, I personally didn't um, get a lot of, like, that kind of support. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many people actually do in America, but that's, like, quite common. Like, your children's success is a bigger representation of the family's success. Mm-hmm. So I think with that kind of pressure, yeah, there's a lot of... Um, the parents do want to get really involved, right? Because there's a lot of face there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> so you've been there for nine years? Yes. And how is dating? How How, how is dating in Korea? Dating culture, I think... Uh, do they have the Tinder? They, they do have Tinder. Uh, I think dating there is definitely quite... Like, well, first you have to, like, you, the word to use date, right? Um, in in Western culture, we use the word dating as, like, you just kind of go out for dinner and drinks, and it's, like, way before the actual, like, forming a relationship, becoming, like, officially, like, boyfriend-girlfriend. And uh, even before then, we just use the expression, like, oh, we're dating, but we're not official. Right. In Korea, though, like, there's a lot of situations where you can literally just go on one date and then... If it goes really well, you can, like, become, like, boyfriend, girlfriend, like, right then. Um, so they're very quick to... Very efficient. Very quick to uh, to apply the title of boyfriend, girlfriend, and have that, that relationship. They're quick to get into it. But they're also... They'll be in that relationship for four or five years and not really move, think about moving on to, like, getting married, oh. uh, which is quite... I thought, I mean, I thought at that time it was quite odd, but, um, yes, yeah, it seems to be quite normal. Like they'll date for a really long time and, you know, they'll get married or they won't, but I feel like in America it moves quite quick. Like you will go through the dating phase for quite a while and then maybe, I don't know, like after three, six months and you become like officially like boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, you do that for like another six months and then you might, uh, you might move in together before getting married and then you know, once you hit like a one and a half year, two year mark, like then you like start seriously thinking about getting married. Um, but yeah, and in Korea, they'll, they'll date for quite a long time. So what's the expat experience or the immigrant experience for, 
for, for dating. You don't need to give me personal details. Certainly be interested to hear them if you wanted to. <laughs> but if I were a single guy and I moved to South Korea, what yeah. would that be like for me? I think, um, unfortunately, like a lot of the Westerners that go to Korea or I think they go to any particular country to live and work, like sometimes they'll get so uh, comfortable with going to where all the foreigners go and they'll just find... And people, other expats. Yeah, they find other expats, and they'll just get comfortable with those expats, and they won't take the time to actually learn the language. But um, the, my first year, I didn't know the language, so you know my, my circle was quite small. But once you learn the language, there's such a huge um, you know, amount of people and situations that will open up, and like ne- whether it be networking or just any kind of doors will open up. It could be in relationships or in business, whatever. But knowing language definitely helps a lot. Um, otherwise, you're very limited. So if you're a foreigner and you go there, you go to teach English, you can only talk to other Koreans that can speak English, which unfortunately is not really that lot. Um, yeah, so I would say definitely learn language. That will open up mm-hmm. your choices for sure. Got it. Interesting. You need to be able to, to communicate with the other folks. Um, yeah, go figure, huh? Yeah, weird. weird. is weird. So yeah. tell us a little bit about, um, I'm always fascinated, uh, maybe just from a Korean standpoint, uh, what do you, the Koreans think about like American culture or what's going on over here, if if we're even on their radar? I mean, I think uh, overall, you know, people still see America as, you know, a really great place to live. You know, they're always asking, they always ask questions to Canadians or Americans like, oh, why do you want to live in Korea. I mean, our life there is quite different than their life there. I would say our life is much better than Koreans mm-hmm. in Korea. Why? Partially because of the, uh, the work culture. That's well, actually, that's mm-hmm. probably a big part of it. The work culture, the education culture, everything's just very serious all the time. Um, for us working there, it's not, we don't have to abide by Korean work mm-hmm. culture. Like that's not really expected of us. So they always, you know, wonder why we want to live there and why don't we want to live in America or in Canada. So they have a general, like, positive um, impression of Western countries. Um, Korea recently had a, uh, they're still going on, they have a presidential scandal um, with their current president. Um, She, (laughs) I I think, I mean, it just happened to happen at a very similar time as the... um, the American election, so uh, I don't know how much Koreans are actually worried about American politics right now because of what's happening in, in they Korea. Have their own stuff, they have yeah. their own serious problems, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think Trump in general has a doesn't have a. I mean, people don't really think very positively of what he's from an international standpoint. Right, right, right. From an international standpoint, so. Interesting. So the the drinking culture are are these people drinking? Do Koreans drink every like every day? Oh, it's, it's so easy to drink every day. Like because like public transportation there is so easy. Like even if you drove, there are services where you can call a guy. He'll come pick you up. He'll drive your car, take you to your house, and then that's it. So you still have your car in the morning when you have to go anywhere, but. There, it's it's so easy to go out eating, go out drinking, go to restaurants all the time. They're, they're, I mean, you can pretty much find anything you want to 24-7. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, not it's not uncommon to go out every day. Um, it's definitely, I think it's cheaper overall. Like, there's no, there's no tipping culture. There's no, um, like, additional taxes. Like, what the price you see on the menu is the price you pay. Um, yeah, definitely much cheaper, much easier to go out. I think that's just, yeah, that's the lifestyle there really is going on. Do out. people not have hobbies? Well, they do. I mean, I suppose the same as in America. Okay. But drinking is their hobby, apparently. Drinking is, yeah, quite a big hobby. Yeah. When you're working 24 <laughs> 7, and then the remainder of time, you're either drunk or hungover. <laughs> it's hard to play golf, I guess. Yeah. No, <laughs> no time for hobbies. Well, golfing is super expensive there. Oh, really? It's, yeah, that's only for rich people. Not like, a lot of space. That's super expensive. Huh. Yeah. And you are obviously a uh, personal trainer, yes? yes. And how is fitness in Korea? Mm-hmm. Is that um, they they view it quite differently? You know, um, they are. I mean, they have one of the lowest um, obesity rates in the world. I think currently it's at like four and a half percent. They used to be tied with Japan for the lowest at like 3.2, I believe. Mm. But there's been a lot of uh, introduction of fast food mm. in Korea. So that doesn't really help them. But they are more about being thin, right? And they don't want to be big in any way. That's seen as a very like, it's a very big negative there. So they don't particularly like think about like... Uh, strength training. Strength training as much. Because there's the general uh, idea of like... Like masses is that, you know, if I do more strength training, then I'm gonna get fat, or I'm gonna get bigger. I guess I don't really see it as fat, but they're thinking I'm gonna get bigger, right? Because they see like bodybuilders and they're mm. all they're too big, so they're very big about being skinny, um, particularly for women. It's like they want to be the key number is like being less than fifty kilograms, which what's that in pounds like? It's like 100 and, uh, <laughs> 110 pounds, right? They want to be less than 110 pounds. Wow. Um, for men, wow. there was like this whole thing about some famous Korean celebrity. She said, I, I only date men that are, uh, this is going metric system, 180 centimeters tall or higher. So I'm 173, so it's like what, like almost six feet. It's like I only date someone who's like six feet or wow. higher or 5'11 and higher. And so then there was like this huge like, like, thing on like social media and stuff they're talking i mean it's very superficial there uh to to go on with that korea does have um proportionally has the highest uh cosmetic surgeries in the world yeah, yeah. so they get a lot of surgeries done you go to um everybody knows the song gangnam style oh yeah gangnam is the, the nope. super rich area you know that song. <laughs> it's the super rich You should play in the back. Background yeah, it's yeah. absolutely. Um, I'm going to watch that video. Here so, Gangnam is a super rich area in, uh, in Seoul. And uh, if you go there, like, you'll see plenty of uh, women walking around with, like, uh, masks. And that's usually, like, post-operation, right? Um, you'll see huge, like, 30-story buildings that are just solely for cosmetic surgery and recovery. Wow. So... There's a, yeah, it's very, very big on the, on the superficial. They love BMWs. Um, they love luxury brands. Like you'll see luxury, everything, luxury coffee shops, luxury. Uh, they love karaoke. So they're like luxury, like karaoke 
bars. What's a luxury coffee shop like? What is that? <laughs> they have the most expensive coffee in the world. It's like some places you'll go, you get a, um, an Americano, just like a 12-ounce cup for like 10 bucks. Oh, wow. And that's like normal. Um, people do it. Oh, yeah. Because it's all about appearance, you know? Um, they have this expression in Korean. It's uh, They say, um, But the, the basic idea of the expression is that it's a person that, like, uh, they'll go, when they leave their house, they'll be wearing, like, Armani suits or Armani whatever, like, very high-end um, brand. They'll have, like, their uh, shopping bags. And it's so funny because, like, Korean women, they will actually carry around, like, a Gucci shopping bag. They'll go to, like, another kind of store, like, a cheaper store and buy their stuff. And then when they leave, they'll put the cheaper stuff in the Gucci shopping bag so when they're walking around it looks like they just shopped at Gucci right Um, I feel like Centauri does that all the time right like daily so even even the basics of having like like where they get their coffee from right they'll they'll have like there's the label of the coffee and they'll make sure that they're carrying that cup with them so that people know that they went there right so they're is there a lot of poverty in Korea or in Seoul well I think the I don't know about poverty. I'm sure there's quite a bit. But because of that, the community, you know, um, culture, right? There's so many people that, even if they don't make a lot of money, they're still living with their parents at home. Mm. So it's, it's, I don't, it's hard to actually see it once you go to specific areas, maybe. But, um, like, there's people that I've met where they're, studying to become a, a public official and they'll study for like two three years for this one test and not work and all you study and their parents are just supporting them it's a big you know. test yeah they love yeah the tests are big like so us like for high school right we have like the sat act to help us get into university there they only have one test and it's only one time a year and if you if you do bad on that test right you you either don't get accepted or you go get accepted to a really bad university. If you want to go to a better university, you study for a year and retake the test next year. That's a lot of pressure. So, yeah, there's so much pressure on that one test. They actually, there's so much pressure on that one test that even during the listening section of the test, the airport actually basically shuts down. They don't have any planes going in or out during like this like 20, 30 minute period every year. Um, they cut down on traffic, like, it's, wow. they have, like, police escorts for school buses if it's, like, late, or, it's, yeah, it's pretty intense. Hmm. So, someone that, um, you know, goes and then you come back once a year, how is it adjusting between Korean culture and American culture as you're in America? Um, I think, I mean, it really depends on where in America you come back to, mm-hmm. um, because the city, I mean, it's a mega city, and the only place in America you can actually kind of feel that is New York. But even in New York, when I went there for the first time, I almost felt like New York was kind of like country, kind of like the country to me. Um, so I basically, you know, tell people, like, if you've been to New York and you think about Times Square, basically Seoul is like Times Square times a thousand. Like, mm. it's just it's like that everywhere. So... Um, definitely everything here is definitely more quiet, like, um, so like just way less people, you know, 
the noise pollution, pollution, any kind of pollution is much less here. Um, so those are the kind of the biggest things you notice. But you do notice the size of people here. That's a big one. Like the Americans are just bigger. Uh, not in a good way. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, much bigger. Particularly if you like, you see it the, the most at the airport. Um, or if I go to Texas, you know, if I fly into the Dallas airport, I'm like, wow, what is? And then you like, oh, the portion of the food here is <laughs> so big, right? You go to like, you go to like Cinnabon, and you're like, dang, I could, I could sit in this, like it's so big, or everything is, yeah, everything's just bigger here. And not in a good way. <laughs> yeah. How I mean, houses are bigger here, you know. Uh, Cars, definitely. I mean, I'm in the biggest apartment that I've been in, and it's just a two two bedroom with a kitchen, um, and that's big. Most play, most people just stay in like a studio apartment. So, oh. yeah, everything's bigger here. That's for sure. Interesting. Certainly, uh, the houses in the United States over the past fifty years have, I think, doubled in size, for no particular reason other than just aesthetics. Yeah, just bigger, more stuff, things like that. So, if um, someone's contemplating like living or working overseas, what advice would you give them? Like, if I wanted to give up my job and go work overseas for a year, what would you tell me? Um, I would say definitely be open-minded to whichever country you decide to go to and just realize that you're going to their country right so <laughs> it's so funny because like americans have all these you know ideas of you know oh you know all these uh expats or immigrants come to america they need to you know speak english like, or they need to assimilate learn our culture. culture but then you have all like particularly in the, in the summer you'll see it there's just this mass exodus of americans going to europe and they don't know anything about European culture or, <laughs> or speaking any European language. Um, you have all these people going to Korea specifically where they'll... I have friends who have gotten married with a Korean, been in Korea for 10 years, still can't speak Korean. Like, there's a, like a lot of that, you know? And it's, it's really weird to me, like, to have that. I mean, it's a weird double standard, I think. But... I think, but when you go to those other countries, it's, well, in Korea, the Koreans aren't like, oh, you have to speak, in, uh, speak Korean. You know, they don't put that kind of pressure on the, on, you know, the expats that go there. Um, but yeah, definitely just be open-minded. You know, um, Eastern culture is way different than Western culture, for sure. But, you know, anywhere from the type of foods they eat to how they interact with strangers, you know, they're not really big into just saying hello to everybody like they don't just they don't do that or even saying excuse me they don't if you bump into somebody but that's that's partially too is because it's a big city you know if you go to new york and you maybe every once in a while you bump somebody it's you'll say excuse me but if it's like a crowded subway you're not saying excuse me a thousand times to everybody you're used to right you're just used running to into people running into people so um there's some of that that's the city and some of it that's a different culture so 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 certainly it'd be valuable to research what the local customs, what the laws are. Oh, yeah. yeah, the laws are the big one because everybody assumes that it's the just, laws in other countries are the exact same as the laws yeah, where I'm from. That's what I would have said, right. but that's not true, right? No. <laughs> and also, too, not necessarily like, particularly like if you go to Southeast Asia, there are certain laws that are in place that 
um, even the locals don't follow. But if you do as like, you know, they say do as Romans do. But if you do do that in certain situations, the the police will like let a thousand locals go by and they'll see one white face and they'll be like, I'm going to pull you over. And, or, you know, and they'll try and get money out of you. Mm. Poor that, white that's people. more that's more in Southeast Asia. White people have it so hard. Not so much in um, East Asia, but <laughs> so give me an example of like a, a law that was crazy for you when you got there. Uh, well, Southeast Asia, you know, they have a lot of motorbikes. They don't have like big motorcycles, but just smaller motorbikes. And you see a lot of locals like driving around without a helmet on. So, as a tourist, you think, oh, it's okay to drive without a helmet on. So. You drive without a helmet on, and then you get caught. They <laughs> yes. try and you know get a hundred bucks from you or whatever. Um, but th- I mean that was particularly like Southeast Asia, you know, definitely not as uh, developed. So that that also depends, you know, like how developed a particular country is, um, and even where in that country. So definitely learning about the culture is big. Uh, learning about the laws are big. Um, how challenging. Is it with uh, with the currency? Obviously, you've been there for nine years, so I'm sure you have it figured out. But I just in a little bit of research that I did, it's people talked about how if you're going to go be an expat, it's important you understand how your money works and make sure that your affairs are buttoned up here in the United States and understand how the the currency works in, in the country you're going to as well. So. Right. Um, yeah. Again, that depends on the country. Um, when I first went to Korea. The Korean money, which they call the won, was actually much stronger than the uh, American dollar, mm. um, almost almost 15% stronger. Um, but as of right now, it's about 15% weaker. There's some countries, like if you get a job teaching English in Thailand, you'll actually get paid well for Thailand. Like You'll live really well in the country, but if you try to send the money home, it's, I mean, it's borderline worthless. Um, so you'll, I mean, if you had like loans or expenses in America, like you have to take that consideration, Mm -hmm. but I mean, you find a lot of people that do work in other countries that tend to be younger, Mm -hmm. um, have more disposable income, don't have a lot of, you know, expenses like a house or family or anything like that. You just bank with a Korean bank then or do you just keep your stuff? Yeah. I I use a Korean bank and then I have, you know, my American bank that I send money back to, um, but yeah, it's it's usually your school or your job. They'll actually help you with a lot of oh, that kind good. of stuff. So, so just general advice that you would give to somebody. Said, so, you know what? That sounds pretty cool. How do I just general advice that you give? Thinking about going living abroad. Um, Aside from what we've been talking about, obviously. Yeah, you said you know, be open minded, learn the language, learn the laws, be accepting of culture, and learn the culture. What in general should people know? That seems to cover quite a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that I'd recommend that we missed? Any good resources? Like, I'm sure you're a unique person because you traveled before, but I would assume that you're a kid that grew up in Indiana, went to school in Indiana, and then went to Seoul for the first time to work. Like, what would you tell that kid? Oh, Besides man. good luck. Yeah, he's definitely... I would say... Just, I mean, you're, there's going to be so many things that they're, they're going to be surprised about, like, because they have never, either never seen it before or have only seen it in, like, TV or movies. You know, there's there's definitely that, like, shock factor. Um, 
don't I guess just be positive about the experience. That's good. You know, I think, you know, not necessarily like just living in another country. You, you'll have time to assimilate, you know, the first with any kind of new situation. There's like a, you know, honeymoon phase. Where you're like, you think everything's amazing. And then, you know, at some point you're, your expert or like how you feel about the situation is gonna you're gonna come down to reality um but i think with the way like technology is nowadays um a lot of people they have pro they used to have problems with like you know being homesick and they couldn't talk with their families like that's not as big of a problem because people have like video chat and mm -hmm. skype and that kind of stuff um but definitely just be open to trying new experiences whether it be food related uh, you know culture related people related um, I've been to now I've traveled to about 35 countries wow and I mean I, I think pretty much everybody should do something like like living in the country for a year because it gives you a whole new perspective of of life in general and of people around the world I think in America people get so caught up in their little small town that even beyond their little you know state of you know indiana ohio whatever like they can't even look outside of that but to actually think about the world as you know as diverse as it as it is that's a, a big plus so i mean the the idea of what like the american dream right like you uh, graduate from high school, you go to university, you get your degree, then you get a job, house, family, kids, and then you save money for retirement. I mean, then when you retire, then you can travel and do your stuff. But, I mean, a lot of people, particularly, like, the way their health is, by the time you hit 60, if you hit 60, I mean, you ain't traveling very much. Um, so it's kind of, I think it's a lot of it's just backwards. You know, mm -hmm. you should be. That's good doing all this you know all this traveling when you're young because you can do it cheap you can you know stay in hostels where you're not if you're 60 you're not staying in a hostel with you know 20 other people sleeping in a bunk bed like that's not happening right um you can you know just go backpacking um definitely there's some obvious like dangers to it but that's i mean there's dangers in anywhere really i mean think of people in boston like you know, they obviously didn't think that anything bad would happen there, but then, you know, the whole thing with the Boston Marathon, like, I mean, really, if you're just always going to be living in your own little town because you're scared of going out, then you kind of let the media, you know, win with the way everything's going right now. So, yeah, just get out and experience things. And, you know, if something bad happens, just know that, man, it can always be worse. It can always get worse. So... Just have a positive outlook on things and knowing that you're learning from your experiences, you know, whether it be good or bad, you know. That's awesome. I loved uh, right off the top, you're talking about how just Google ESL jobs and whatever country you're interested in learning more about and you'll find work. Super, yeah, super easy. Pretty easy. Um, a lot of them do require, you know, um, like a bachelor's degree. So you do have to graduate from university. But that's, for a lot of them, that's just kind of, the, that's the only requirement. Doesn't matter what your degree is in. Um, doesn't matter what school. Just be American and have a, and have a degree. Yeah, it can even be, a, I mean, I'm sure it can even be just a you know, four-year community college as well. Like that's not a problem. 
Got it. Get out and see the world, Centauri. I will try that, man. If anything, I'll visit you. Yeah. Oh, so the uh, Winter Olympics is coming next next year. Oh. So that's a big one. Yeah, so February 2018. That will be exciting. That will be awesome. As our time is drawing to a close, what else, Centauri, should we be talking about? No, I think he answered all of my questions. Excellent. Ian, anything else you'd like to share? Uh, I think uh, for the most part, you know, like people need to don't like don't stop learning. That's that's probably the biggest thing. You know, learn about new cultures, new experiences. Um, I mean, even going as far as like even something simple as like learning how to cook. You know, different foods from different cultures. Um, that'll definitely open up your interest level and might encourage you to actually travel to those countries. So. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't think there's probably ever been a time where that's more important is to be open-minded and actually learn about different countries and different cultures. Like, it, it's so weird. Like, I'm not saying, like, be open-minded that you have to, like, uh, ex- like, I mean, you accept that people are different. You know, you don't, like, what someone's going to do in their own house is their own private life. Like, you know, what your neighbor does next door, as long as they're not, um, you know, encroaching on your happiness, then... What does it matter if they, you know, sleep naked on a beanbag and eat Cheetos? Like, who cares, you know? Nothing. It doesn't matter <laughs> at all. So I'm just like, so, so many people are like, oh, yeah, this uh, this gay couple in California is infringing on my rights to... Like, no, they're not. Like, the, what, that doesn't even make any sense, you know? Um, you know, be open-minded, learn about other cultures, and, um, yeah, know that, I mean, for the most part, I, you know, I find this part interesting as far as like the pursuit of happiness right um i i think of it it's kind of incomplete like i'd say the pursuit of happiness as long as it doesn't um interfere with another person's ability to be happy mm. so you know obviously like uh with the smoking thing like you can smoke if you want to but don't blow the smoke in my face or you know you can drive crazy i suppose if you wanted to but we have laws against driving crazy because it will affect other people. Right. So th- I think that's the important part. Like your pursuit of happiness, but how does it affect others? You know, if it doesn't affect others, then who cares? Be a good citizen. Right. So yes, things are so complicated now. Life's simple, you know. Yes. <laughs> Life is simple. Life's simple, but people love. I mean, you see it in TV as well, like reality TV. People love drama. Mm-hmm. You know, like some of the reality TV stuff nowadays is just. Life is simple. I love that. Life is so simple. Make things harder than need to be sometimes. Well, excellent. Ian, thank you so much for your time and your insights. Well, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show and tell a friend. And as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real.